Welcome to Back on the Grind, a podcast about life, music, people, and the stories that bring us closer. I'm Folk Punk Dad, and for this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Average Joey, an accomplished DIY musician, zine writer, and full-time traveler from Pennsylvania. In this conversation, in addition to a host of other topics, Joey and I discuss the pervasive toxicity of capitalism and ways we might move toward collective healing. We hope you enjoy this episode as we bring you closer to Average Joey. Hey, Joey, how are you doing? I am doing well. I'm in my mother's basement uh, in my natural habitat. I was just visiting for the holidays, and I'm about to um, get in my van and keep on and moving after our conversation. So, um, it's great. Where, where, are you, where are you headed next? I'm going to go to Pittsburgh for New Year's to visit some friends and do some, you know, it's like the place that I still have a mailing address. I mostly just live in the van. Uh, but like that comes along with just like certain sort of chores and errands to do in that city. And also it's New Year's. So I'll see some buds and hang out. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm uh, currently in Houston, Texas in my mom's art studio. Uh, also nice. here <laughs> the holidays. Um, yeah, I'm surrounded by paints and uh, stuff for collages and some of her artwork. Uh, so it's nice. I'm surrounded by um, my stepfather's fully alphabetized DVD collection. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so we're super glad to have you here on the podcast. And there's so much that we could talk about. But it sounds like if we start with talking about the new record you have coming out, that could maybe yeah. bring up some themes for us to discuss. So what if you just what if we just started off? Can you tell us about your new record coming up? It's coming out in, in February second. Is that right? That's correct. Um, yeah, it's called impermanence. Impermanence. So uh, impermanence, um, and it's a uh, sort of musical. Musically, it feels like a pivot stylistically, but also I feel like um, I have made a point of like never sort of existing in one genre um and have been sort of over the last couple of years since i've been mostly focused on this project the average joey project um i've been making kind of, kind of genre records like i'll make like a freaky a freaky dark uh banjo record and then i'll do a um uh like last year I put out like mostly like string band honky tonk kind of singer songwritery folksy songs. <clears throat> and this record is a, a much bigger sort of sweeping project. That's hopefully if I'm doing my job, right. Um, sort of takes the listener through some like large issues. And I've been working on this record for two years. I, some of these songs I wrote as far back as 2018, um, some of them I wrote like just before recording them in the studio. Um, but I did most of the, the bulk of the recording of the record two years ago, and it's just been, you know, um, adding things and um, going through mixes and uh, listening back through and be like, oh, there should be like actually some harmonies here, some, you know, uh, extra trumpet there, or whatever, and just really trying to um, uh, kind of 
try to have a a, a, a a holistic vision for the record as opposed to like, you know, writing a handful of songs and, and putting them together. It feels like it's definitely one piece. Um, and it's about climate grief and it's about um, uh, recognizing, you know, like being afraid of dying, I think is a pretty, a pretty um, ubiquitous human experience. Uh, but then when that's coupled with sort of the existential dread of the climate crisis and like not only fearing your own individual death, but like the, you know, annihilation of uh, organized civilization in general um, and sort of taking that through uh, starting at the beginning of like, all right, what's it, you know, giving voice to kind of different characters. Um, like they have a song called toxic and fragile, which is sort of like this, um, the character almost of like American hyper masculinity, like, uh, sort of setting the stage for the ethos that allows like climate destruction and climate chaos to happen. And, and then sort of taking through, taking the listener, hopefully through this story of, uh, you know, coming to, coming to terms with the situation that we're in and like really fit looking that reality in the face um and sort of the like initial nihilism that comes with that and then trying to come back around and land in a place that has to do with redemption of some kind in this um sort of trying to grasp onto uh like enjoying the beauty of being here, even though it is impermanent and it is, um, you know, under great threat, uh, having that be a, a reason to come together with people that you care about and find collective meaning together. Um, and having that be, uh, a reason to be hopeful despite the, um, very bleak and grim reality of the situation. Uh, so like trying to, trying to, and and also never really coming to any definite conclusions, I think is an important part too of like, there's, I don't claim to like have any answers about, um, you know, <laughs> whether it is, you know, personal uh, understanding or enlightenment or, you know, societal injustice. I'm just sort of mm. um, giving voice to some, you know, I have, there's, there's, there's characters in my head that are, expressing different like thoughts and ideas all the time and like arguing with each other. So I'm kind of letting them work that out, uh, throughout the record. Um, and hopefully coming to a place that's like, you know, landing in, in a, in a, in a, some sort of resolve that is like, yes, this is bad, but also, um, there are things to, to live for and, and reasons to keep struggling despite all that. Hmm. Wow, there's so much there that we could uh, dive into further, but it sounds like it. It does. It feels really. Work. It feels really big. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I was. I was just gonna say if I could put some of that in my own words, I might say it sounds like the record is a conversation and an exploration mm -hmm. around the hard truths of climate catastrophe and grief 
but not without a commitment to resiliency, hope, and joy. Um, would you say that that's kind of along the lines of the theme of the record? Yeah, I think I think if you put that in quotes and, and a little dash and put folk punk dad, I might you know I might you know I might publish that. That sounds like a really nice um, sure. Uh, and and also and also it's really musically like that's kind of thematically right what I was just discussing, mm-hmm. but musically I think it is um, dark and freaky and experimental and weird, but also fun and like, go- like overly goofy at times and theatrical, mm-hmm. um, which I think speaks to like how we interpret and deal with and tell stories about the situation that we're in is like, there are ways to um, tell those stories that are like, uh, uh, you know, dreadful and, and freaky and, and strange and mm-hmm. uh, grotesque. But there's also ways to do it that's like, oh, we're fucked. <laughs> it's a carnival, you know, and 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 that's sort of like, not, you know, not um, not giving up the like absurdity. And sometimes mm-hmm. that that absurdity is like violent and scary. And other times that absurdity is like you have to laugh so you don't cry. And it's, so it, it, mm-hmm. it also, I think, musically um, is like playful in that way. Uh, but it's also yeah. like it's also like kind of heavy sometimes too, which is, you know, it's, it's def- different than like some of the country or folk or banjo driven music that I've been, that I've made um, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I definitely got all of that listening to it. Um, really enjoyed what I heard by the way. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I hope that it's fun to listen to because if it's not fun to listen to, then the like lyrical thematic content will be, um, uh, unbearable so like, hopefully it's like <laughs> oh, i found i found it fun, fun. Sure. and i you know i was looking at your list of of influences and i was definitely hearing them come through at least the ones i'm familiar with like chesky and holy locust and amigo the devil railroad ghosts and rent strike um i definitely hear that coming through and i i really one of the things i noticed most was some of the resonances and similarities between the way you and chesky both sing about jesus christ um which i thought it sounded like some of your songs were maybe directly inspired by some of his agnostic gospel music perhaps would you say yeah that's a great way to describe that's a great way to describe chesky's music as agnostic gospel music uh yeah he's he's that that song the song that I think you're referring to, there's a couple songs that deal with Jesus, but um, the, the, the song it's called what the fuck would Jesus do? And uh, it's about, it's the, the most recent song that I wrote on the record there. I, I, I had done the initial recording session and then had been reading um, about like his, the historical Jesus and uh, just be interested in, in Christianity in the ways that it has been co-opted and exploited uh, for mm-hmm. the use of, you know, f- violence and colonialism and, you know, all the things I don't have to explain no. to your yeah. audience, I don't think, but um, that mm-hmm. like, how, how did the message of this person get twisted in those ways? And I was really interested in that and kind mm-hmm. of made that song. It's got like a breakdown that is 
you know, very clearly Chesky influenced. Um, it's got like a hip hop bridge kind of about like how throughout history, you know, the word, the word of Christ or any, you know, religious doctrine can be, can be twisted around to serve the, 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 um, the narratives of the powerful and the, mm-hmm. and the domination of, of people, um, yeah. you know, and we see that time and time again. And, and then, so kind of like that song, I'm like kind of presenting that idea and then glibly and hopefully people understand sort of the satirical nature of that, of like saying like, see, I'm just like Jesus. I'm like, you know, riding around the country in ragtag bands of, homeless people uh you know spreading the good word and and hanging out with the the outcasts and the freaks of society because we recognize that the empire is uh you know violent and also falling and also has no merit to stand on to begin with and uh and the, and then you know kind of circling back around to be like see anybody can claim that they are doing the Christ like thing even i can do it um so that was like a fun song to sort of experiment with and, and yeah, I had I enjoyed writing it and it kind of came out at the, I didn't think that that song would be on the record and then it, it just sort of like popped out and it, it very clearly was supposed to be there. So we recorded it kind of last minute. Yeah. Well, I thought, I thought it was great. And, um, a, a few of this, one of the lines that stood out to me was Christ died for something like Christ died for sedition, not for your sins. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think that is something that really gets neglected a lot that the song draws attention to is Jesus's opposition to the powers that be, you know, um, we're so used to Christianity being, uh, you know, in power that um, we forget that really the, if someone's following Jesus, they should be most interested in giving up their power. <laughs> That's kind of what it's all about. Um, and, yeah. uh, and opposing, um, opposing the powers that be not, not giving up personal um, power in the sense or collective power in the sense of, you know, solidarity and, you know, shared power in that sense. But as far as um, desires for, domination or or that sort of power you know giving that up right if you're rich the uh, the 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 book that i just finished reading is called jesus a life in class conflict and it really um you know i think just as much as not just as much um but you know like i said anybody can kind of take that word and twist it to there so i think on the left people have often been like you know we we all know Jesus does the dishes and, and sort of those, that tradition of like, Jesus was a socialist and a communist and an anarchist and all these things. Um, and this book does a really good job at like really understanding the material, like taking a very historical materialist look at like historical Jesus and being like, here are like the conditions in Palestine at that time. Um, and speaking to that. So yeah, it's, it's been something I've been like really interested in lately. And also, you know, let it not be lost on us right now that what is happening in Gaza and the West Bank and uh, in Palestine in general. And like, I just heard, listened to this sermon that a pastor in Bethlehem gave the day before Christmas. And, you know, it's just been 
Bethlehem had just been bombed. Like you can't, you couldn't write this as a dystopia because it's too on the nose. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? Like how this continues to be, uh, like that doctrine continues to be exploited in service of violence and mass killing. And uh, it, yeah, there's this sermon was given by this pastor called Christ in the rubble. And it was just really resonated with me. You know, I know we're all sort of in a deluge of, uh, you know, being exposed to, to, you know, scenes of horror and then being asked to sort of have, be able to digest it and, and then regurgitate opinions and have the right opinions and all these things that can be really overwhelming sometimes. But, um, mm -hmm. I found that, that sermon, like really particularly resonant as, especially in all the readings I've been doing, especially for the season that we're in, it was like this very um, well-articulated, like, like you said, right? Like if, if Christ is anywhere, he is with refugees. He is with the hungry. He is with the powerless and the disinherited. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I was, yeah. And, 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 oh, oh go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I was in a recent Facebook argument with uh, a Christian who posted something about standing with Israel. And, you know, I know I wasn't going to change his mind, but I sometimes I still engage in that way for the lurkers, you know, the people who yeah. haven't yeah, yeah. their mind, who are, who are, you know, reading the posts. And, and I, the thing I kind of emphasized was that like the whole idea of choosing a team besides the innocent people suffering is is just like you're just playing football you know you're just like you just want to root for the the team that you think is the good guys when it's um the focus um or the solidarity should be with the the suffering ones the innocent suffering ones I think in any war, God is on the side of the orphans um, and of the oppressed and of the suffering. I think this speaks to you know that that manip the manipulation of that word, uh, and I think also maybe I'll just kind of um, take a pause to say like I was not I don't consider myself a religious person. And I wasn't raised uh, with any sort of religious tradition, um, and I'm exploring these these ideas as um, like I, I want to. I'm interested in exploring these ideas for their social and political implications, um, not necessarily because like right. I think anybody who claims to like have the exact. <laughs> uh, definition of God or, or the right answer is probably trying to sell you something. Um, so with that in mind, uh, when, and I think this transitions ni nicely into kind of the next thing we were thinking of talking about, which is that when so many people have experiences with, especially in our country with Christianity and it's, uh, the the ugly ways that it's been expressed and used as a weapon of colonialism and violence and uh and exploitation in all these different ways people 
certainly have an aversion to that tradition because in their experience, it sort of stands for hierarchy and, and injustice and all these things. Um, but I think that often, especially maybe in just like the subcultural circles that I run in, many people have sort of thrown out the baby with the bathwater in that world where, you know, so many, for lack of a better term, spiritual or religious traditions um, have, you know, throughout human history, essentially like, like that, that part of the human experience is an, an, a quintessential one. I, I seem to believe um, like we are um, creatures that like, that's part of the human need is to have a foundational relationship with the mystery of the world and, and to have some sort of cohesive understanding or project that brings us together to work within like a, like a, you know, sort of a nexus that sort of, you know, throughout human history, people have always had a, you know, at least a general mutual understanding of why are we here? Like, what, what is our purpose? What is the meaning of this? Um, and that provides some sort of social cohesion. So I'm working on a new piece of writing or a new zine that maybe is more ambitious of a project than a zine and maybe will turn into more of that, but I don't really know, but it's sort of trying to connect those dots of, um, our being in a very threatening material, uh, crisis with the climate and you know you and i are comfortable in our mother's basements right now but the the apocalypse has already happened for many many people um and how we sort of hear so much about crises and pandemics of loneliness and crises of meaninglessness um and because capitalism has alienated us so much from ourselves and one another and our work um of course when you know the only options you're given to have meaning when that is such a quintessential human need to have meaning and purpose and when the only options provided to you for um, fulfilling that need are like consumer goods uh and like increasingly superficial relationships that are often mediated through a you know, technology that is, a, you know, run by a profit-driven algorithm and all these things. Like, I don't need to, you know, sit here and talk about all the ways that we're alienated from one another. We can recognize that that's just sort of the condition, that's the water we're swimming in. Of course, there's going to be a crisis of meaning. Uh, but having that paired up against the fact that, like, the people who are alive right now are going to determine whether human like civilization continues to exist or not, which is a, you know, terrifying, but it also is an opportunity to come together around a collective source of meaning, which is that like organizing towards uh, some sort of salvation for lack of a better word in that sense is like on the table. Um, and obviously power like the question of power comes into that and it's you know appears pretty obvious 
that like the people who are in power have no interest in anything but maintaining that power and consolidating that power. So like, how do we build meaning making stories around trying to retain our humanity and, and continue to be good to each other and retain um, like loving, compassionate relationships while the bottom continues to drop out. Uh, that's kind of what I've been interested in, in exploring and, and wrestling mm -hmm. with. Yeah. Um, a lot of that really resonated with me and I think that that was a know, lot of talking in a row. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's good that, you know, this, that's part of what this space is for, uh, is to be able to, to hear what you have to say, you know? And I, I think that like a few, one of the things that, that you were talking about as far as finding shared meaning and a kind of a, a, having a base to or a foundation to work from in social change, you know, in climate advocacy, direct action, whatever it might be, it's really important to have a foundation. And I think it can be pretty easy for folks to try to do direct action and activism work without having that foundation. And I think that is sometimes where things might go awry. And I think the foundation can look like a lot of, a lot of different things. You know, I'm not here to tell anyone what their foundation should be. But I think for, for me, just from what I've seen of what works is if the foundation is love. Um, love for humanity, love for the oppressed, um, and also not completely giving up on the possibility of redemption of the oppressor um, because um, healing has to involve everybody. Um, you know, the answer is not just to kill all the people we disagree with. Um, <laughs> as Correct. Correct. we feel like we want to do that sometimes, uh, that's part of the problem, you know, it's a tempting um, prospect, but I would agree with you. Right. So what does, what does radical societal healing and transformation look like? I think it has to be grounded in love because I think going back to what you were talking about, you know, what's the cause of a lot of this stuff? I, I liked that you named toxic masculinity. You know, the, these things like thirst for greed and power. Why are people, why do people do those things? Could it be because they're afraid of not being lovable? Like, what are yeah. they, what are they seeking that they're not getting? I think human beings want to be loved. You know, and if yes, you, I, I, would, I agree. And if you can, and if you can help people feel lovable, especially from from an early age too, um, how how can that be preventative? Um, you know, as far as future oppression and war and climate catastrophe goes, is like 
nurturing and caring for young people and human beings um, in a way that can be transformational and healing and in a way that will heal future generations. Because if we're not loving and taking care of people and supporting people and making people feel worthy of love, then that, you know, both, both things perpetuate themselves, you know, transformed people, transform people, loved people, love people. Um, yeah. And hurt people, hurt people, you know? So it's a, a lot of it's about breaking those cycles. And I think love is, is the most effective way to do that. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on what you said. Um, one of the, that sort of, when I'm making my notes for this, you know, writing projects that I'm working on, I'm <laughs> my shorthand for it has been like God and love and stuff. Um, that's ultimately the conclusion that I'm coming to as well is like, uh, yeah, love has to be the foundation. And there's a couple different tracks that I've, you know, that came up for me when you were speaking. Um, one of them being about how material conditions create people. Um, you know, this idea that like, I, you were, you were, okay, who, who makes you who you are? Um, the, your genetics is one part of it. And increasing, increasingly I've, based on, you know, what I've read and the things that I've seen that has less and less to do with it than we like to believe. And the other is the conditions that you are in the, um, social, social water you're swimming in the economic material conditions that you were raised in, um, the cultural milieu that you exist in, uh, capitalism creates people who serve capitalism. Uh, it has a status quo that we normalize that is nothing short of completely insane. Our priorities, our, um, what we consider healthy and what we consider unhealthy, uh, they're all fucked up because they have all been, um, the, the water we're swimming in is a toxic one. Uh, the, our priorities are set by people in power who do not love us. Uh, I think a lot about, um, I've been really inspired by this book that came out this year called The Myth of Normal by Gabor Mate. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Gabor Mate's work, um, but that book really does a great job at spelling out how when you are raised in po in poverty, in uh, stress, um, it makes you know exhausted, stressed parents are not able to give their children the love and care and attention that they need, and these things perpetuate themselves because then, when you're a child raised by a stressed, exhausted parent who wasn't able to give you the attention and love you that you need to develop properly, then you are going to develop improperly. And these things go on and on in these cyclical manners um, on top of, you know, everything else we were naming, right? The, the technological uh, uh, kind of sublimation of our human interactions and, and on and on. Um, so like people, you know, they're, they're, and this kind of points to some of the things that I've written about before, which is just like, we are shaped by our material conditions and very much like, a, 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 a historical materialist in that way of like, you know, 
people have individual willpower, but they're within pretty tight confines of, you know, your ability based on the conditions that you're in. And the American idea of what it means to be a person, a political subject, or any of these things are, um, are this mythos of individual willpower and all these things. And that creates a paradigm where if you are impoverished, you interpret that as, and you are told constantly that that is your fault because you lack willpower. If you are struggling with substances or depression or mental health, those things are individuated. Um, when the reality is that when you are living in a world that prioritizes the things that our society prioritizes, uh, the result is going to be mental dysfunction. Um, healthy people, you cannot be healthy uh, in a world that is feeding you highly processed, highly sugary foods and tells you that success means that you need money in an economy where making money is you know, almost impossible for most of us. The list goes on and on and on. So that fucks people up and it makes people go fucking bonkers, you know, and, and it makes people do hurtful shit to themselves and other people. Now, that that doesn't mean that there's no such thing as personal accountability, and there's, that doesn't mean that uh, we shouldn't be responsible for ourselves and we shouldn't um, hold each other in compassionate care when something wrong does happen. And uh, you know, this starts to point towards and when I've been writing this too, I've been sort of like, you know, gathering materials and thinking about like, well, what, what like does go into this project and what doesn't. And I have like all this, like, but the thing is they're all connected to each other. Right. And it's, I feel like the meme with Charlie from always sunny <laughs> with like the yarn yeah. going like, cause like, you know, all this does start to point towards transformative justice, which is another idea that I'm really interested in of like, you know, I've done, I've hurt people, like no doubt. And, you know, it was drinking for far longer than I should have been drinking. And, and it took people having incredible patience with me and love and continuing to not give up on me, despite all, you know, rationality that they absolutely could have been like, fuck that guy. Um, but they didn't because there was this foundational care and love. And, it, you know, I have, I'm incredibly grateful that I've had people in my life that have been loving enough to drag me kicking and screaming into being a better person. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I owe that to those, those people in those communities. And that's the kind of love that we have to have, whether it's, you know, your friend who can be shitty when they're drinking too much or, you know, can you know, like can we widen that lens of compassion to Trump voters, right? Because <laughs> they, like they are also they are also the victims of a you know socioeconomic condition and capitalist mm -hmm. you know milieu that have absolutely failed them, and because of you know relatively random circumstances. They happen to fall down one media rabbit hole as opposed to the other. Now, again, like I don't think that that excuses um, violent fascist behavior, but having a deeper understanding of like why those things are happening, um, you know, again, especially speaking to maybe our subcultural bubbles, like there is this real bloodthirst for 
anyone who isn't on the particularly correct uh, mm -hmm. uh, rhetorical bandwagon. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think that that leads to the kind of like system systematic change that is going to be necessary to actually get shit done. Because there's a yeah. difference between like, do you, like, do you want to be, I forget where this quote came from, but it really resonated with me. It was like, do you want to be right air quotes or do you want to be effective? And I think mm -hmm. that that distinction mm -hmm. really matters and they're not necessarily always the same thing. Wow. That's good. Yeah. What you were just saying kind of brings me back to looking at the example of Jesus and yeah, you know, I think about the parable of the good Samaritan and a lot of people might take that parable and me and think, Oh, that parable is just about how it's important to, you know, be good to people. But really, if you're hearing that parable, the Samaritan is your worst enemy. That's how to understand it. Uh -huh. um, so maybe <laughs> it's maybe it's the good Trump supporter, or you know the yeah. you know in my case the good cop. <laughs> you know those parables yeah, are yeah. meant to challenge us. You know, and um, Good Samaritan is supposed to be an oxymoron, you know? Um, and, you know, I think about the fact that, like, you know, Jesus spent time with tax collectors. Well, mm -hmm. I think the equivalent of a tax collector for me is probably a police officer because tax collectors were people who willingly chose a job that negatively harmed their community, you know? Um, right. and so like, that's something I, I kind of wrestle with because I'm, you know, I, I'm a person who wants to abolish the police. Absolutely. And yes. I, I don't yeah. think they should exist. And, you know, how, what, maybe part of that looks like getting to know some, some cops well enough to where they decide not to be cops. <laughs> I don't, maybe, maybe yeah. that's hubristic of me to think I could do that. Um, but if enough people had that attitude of, of, of being in relationship, um, as opposed to being in, um, antagonism, you know, maybe we could make more process in dismantling, uh, the prison industrial complex. Um, I don't right. know. So. Because how do you how do you dismantle the prison industrial complex? Like I've been, you know, listening to punk music my whole life and still it's there. So I don't you know, that's not mm -hmm. doing it um, now. Yeah. Like I. I, you know, I'm saying all this stuff. I don't I can't live up to it all the time on my better days. I feel like maybe I do have it in me to, you know, I have my old friend from high school uh, is a cop and, uh, you know, we have maintained a relationship with one another and sometimes he we were just talking actually recently we kind of check in every every year or so we sort of check in and um sometimes he offers me a perspective that i absolutely wouldn't have talking to my friends who you know have face tattoos and crass patches on their shit like it offers me an understanding of like because he was a person who was like i'm gonna become a cop because i want to change things from the inside um, mm -hmm. has that been a successful endeavor? I would say no. Uh, and, but, but also like 
just having that perspective and having someone that I know personally does offer me some, I can bear some witness sometimes to some of the horrible shit that he goes through and has to see all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. He's a cop in DC and has some, you know, stories about just like seeing some really dreadful shit that is, I'm sure traumatizing. And, and like, he's like feeling as futile in his effort to make the world a better place as, as I do. And you do sometimes. Um, that being said, you know, on my better days, I can see that and, and be grateful for that perspective and be grateful for that relationship. Um, other days I wake up and say, fuck every cop who's ever done their job and like burn it all down and whatever. Like, you know, I st- that's also in me and having that ju- absolutely justified rage against an institution that has been nothing but violent and exploitative and racist since its inception um, is a, you know, that is a rage that is justified. And, um, I think that like having the, um, the discussion about spirituality and how, and, and healing and, and transformation, uh, can sometimes lose its teeth and lose its, um, mm. like gaze at systematic injustice and go really inward and go really individual. And I, that's something that, I've also been reading about and and want to point to in this next thing I'm writing is like these, uh, my my interpretation of the sacred and the, um, that foundational sort of uh, fabric that, that holds us together is one that is, you know, I'm interested in collective forms of healing, collective forms of meaning making, collective forms of storytelling, uh, not ones that are individual because you know, I've like often found myself in this middle ground between the punks and the hippies where like I I get really if you're infuriated at punks who are like, you know, smash every window and like that somehow will abolish capitalism. Like, no, that's not it. Um, but also hippies who are like, if we just like hold hands and and like, you know, pray, then they'll stop bombing Gaza. Like, no, that's also not it. It's like finding this like <laughs> Buddhist middle path between the punks and the hippies of like, you need to like ground the hippies and bring their head out of the fucking clowns and also have the punks recognize that like material conditions also aren't everything. And like, there is more to the world than um, the rage and the anger. Uh, but, but also on the hippie end, right? Like, like having this, mm. you know, I think that we s- sublimate that spiritual need and and it becomes uh mm. something that is hyper individualized whether that's a you know mick mindfulness sort of practice or it is a um you know and I, i'll catch flack for this but like a- any sort of practice that is hyper individualized like yeah yeah I'm, i don't want to talk shit on astrology but like do you know what you know what i mean it's like no. i'm like i'm taking a little slice of pie of the sacred to enjoy you know just just for me Whereas uh, what I'm interested in is like, and I think throughout most of human history, that bi- that human need is one that is a a collective uh, uh, practice, not one that is individuated. Yeah, I I'm totally there with you on the need for collective healing um, and collective transformation, and and that emphasis on on community and the pervasiveness of the hyper-individual aspect. 
you know, you go to a bookstore and the self-help section is huge. And I like a good right. self-help book as much as the next person. I've read some that have helped me. Um, but what if there was an equally big section for collective help? Um, how right. to, yeah, like a collective help section of, you know, this is how to not just help yourself, but um, how yeah, or, organizing a, a labor union is self-help. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, am yeah, definitely a big believer that we over individualize so much and that leaves us alienated and lonely. And that's what capitalism wants. You know, Cap capitalism doesn't want our collective power or collective healing or, um, any of that. They want us to be alienated, lonely, and too exhausted to organize. Um, right. And, um, I I think that like also what you were saying with the balance of you know you know if the hippies and the punks with their powers combined maybe something can happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I that that leads me to the like because we were kind of talking before about having a a foundation to work from or a you know a language to speak through or like this yeah like what what what's the meaning making and how is that a collective project and for me and i reckon for you as well that is music and the community that that fostered i have i only have come to any of these ideas through like diy and punk shit you know i i mm -hmm. i was just you know i was raised in a you know totally secularized consumer household uh but like happened to like start going to warp tour and listening to no effects and that sent me down like a a path mm -hmm. that eventually led me to where i am now mm -hmm. and i have i have like music and the community that it offers to thank for all of that and to thank for providing me meaning because i that's that's mm -hmm. how i engage with meaning and it does feel like a a collective action like mm -hmm. when i'm performing or playing music with people whether it's in a performance setting or just for fun like that is what makes my heart feel big mm -hmm. um and mm -hmm. that creates the connections that like that that feel like they're you know grounded in in uh, a collective meaning making and also has you know real power again like on my worst days i feel like uh what the fuck am I doing? I like live in my van and I'm broke all the time. And like, like, you know, I don't have enough Spotify listeners and, you know, like the, that, like, um, the, the metric, the metrics of success that you're offered as a DIY artist, which isn't incredibly difficult to survive doing like, you know, you feel like a failure, but when I play a show and somebody approaches me and is like, you know, I can tell that like, what that my art like had an effect on them or made them think about something or made them feel in communion with the people who are also in that living room like that is it for me and that feels like okay like this is what i'm i feel like i have a purpose and i'm fulfilling it and like that i i feel incredibly grateful to have that because i feel like many people in the world don't feel like they a have a purpose and b 
are able to fulfill it. And that's like, that's a big one. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Um, so speaking of shows, I know you've written about how to have a good <laughs> DIY show. Could you tell yeah. us a little bit about how do you have the best DIY show possible? Um, so I wonder if I have one of the, well, no, no one can see this anyway. I have a copy of the zine, I think, right here. But um, yeah, I wrote a zine earlier this year called How to Have a Good Show. It is a uh, it is much more lighthearted than the like really you know highfalutin navel gazy uh, what is God and who is love and uh, it's sort of just like a fun cheeky um, DIY instructional of like how to have a good show because as a person who survives uh, being a touring DIY musician um, there's a lot of you know fervor and people are like I want to have shows um, sometimes they're like not good at it though and so it's sort of like a guide for people who are like and it's everything it's if you're organizing a show if you're hosting a show at, at the venue if you're the touring band if you're the local band if you're the show goer i have like guidelines for all of those folks um everything from like hey if you're like a show organizer you have to like actually promote like just making a facebook event and then never like doing anything else besides that like you got to go to other shows you got to hand out flyers you got to like text people until they're annoyed with you as someone who books shows for many years in pittsburgh like i have friends that were like sick of hearing from me at, like twice a week like there's a show at my house tonight you should come you should come you should come um but like that's what you got to do if you are a local band um don't play for two hours on a wednesday before the touring act is supposed to play because like everyone's gonna leave uh if you are going to a show, like watch the bands. Don't just like talk. It's super disheartening when you're a touring musician and you're like, I'm like living in constant poverty and can't maintain any relationships in my life. And I, I smell bad and I'm sad, but like, it's all for this 20 minutes for me to get on and like speak my truth and, uh, you know, do my thing. And then like everyone just like talks the whole time. Like that makes you so sad. So it's just like, sort of this uh it's kind of full of uh cute little inside baseball punk rock talk and uh it's also illustrated by jonas goonface who is a really badass anarcho comic book artist uh so if you're not familiar with with their work check it out um but yeah it's like a fully illustrated comic and it's a little more lighthearted. but it's also it also i think speaks to kind of what we've been talking about because mm -hmm. ultimately like if we're going to build resilient communities which is the goal at least for me like i kind of like make fun of people like hey if you want to like just have a cool haircut and get drunk like go to a bar crawl or something like you know it, it, like i'm not saying i'm not like a like you know sobriety only person or something i'm just saying if like if you're here to party and look cool there's like other places for you to do that if you want to like engage in vulnerable interaction and community building and express yourself and be seen and heard in that expression and held and celebrated for that expression. Like this is a place for you. Um, mm -hmm. like let's, let's really foster that because that's really important, I think. Um, mm -hmm. and just, so it like, it speaks to that sort of bigger picture while also just like, t while I make fun of myself and everyone else who's involved in our little, our little circle. Uh, so it's kind of a fun little endeavor and, uh, yeah, people can check it out. It's on, people can order it on my band camp. I want to make it as free as I can. So if also, if people want like me to send them the file for it, you, 
can print it on your own. I'm genuinely just trying to get the word out so that me and my fellow DIY lifers can um, like afford the gas to go on the next tour uh, and we can like have better shows because um, that's a self-interest well, <laughs> speaking. Yeah. Well, that's great. No, I'll, I'll try to spread the word too. Um, well, speaking of where people can find you, we're about at the end of our time. Could you just plug yourself a bit? Where can people find your music, your zines, you know, what's your band camp, your social media, all that. Totally. Um, so average Joey is the music everywhere on Spotify, on Bandcamp. Um, pre-order my new record on vinyl. It's coming out through Light, uh, Dollhouse Lightning, and it is available for pre-order on my Bandcamp. Um, the record is badass. It comes with a really cool book of lyrics and poetry. Um, so I like spent so much money making this record and recording it and mixing it and mastering it and pressing it to vinyl. Uh, and promoting it. So if you pre-order it, it'll super help me out. Um, I have a bunch of zines also available in the merch section of my uh, Bandcamp. I have that How to Have a Show zine, which I just spoke to. I have an acapella songbook, which has a, an album that goes with it. So it's, um, you know, one of the ways I think that we can come together, like we've kind of been talking about, like with one of the tools that I like to use for that is singing with people and singing mm -hmm. in groups. Um, and so I have a book that kind of helps with that. It's an acapella songbook that has QR codes that are associated with it. So you can scan a code for a song. The recording will come up and the lyrics are in front of you in the book. So you can learn the melody and you can sing with people. And that's how we start the revolution. Um, I also have some other uh, zines that I've written in the past too. So uh, you can check those all out on my band camp. I also have a music blog that I feel like listeners of your show would dig uh it's called bands you should love um i do it through my patreon but you don't have to pay to check it out um so if you go onto my instagram or my like link tree or or my patreon if you search on patreon you can find my blog called bands you should love it's sort of like half autobiographical half music review so i'll talk about like um for example, just since we're on this show, I'll be like, here's how I met Chesky. And here's like, you know, here's a particular song or album that I think you should check out. And here's some stories about when we went on tour together. And here is, um, you know, my final reflections on like what his music means to me and how it's affected me. And I'll kind of like do that for bands that maybe like, you know, I, w I wouldn't write one about Nine Inch Nails because they're a widely popular people know nine inch nails but i do it for bands that people maybe don't know of if they're not like super in the in the diy world um so that's a cool thing that i want to try yeah. to get out there a little bit more that's awesome um and your instagram yeah. is average.joey0 that's right average.joey0 so like follow on all those things too i think i try to maintain the i kind of am on the instagram more than anything else i have a weird relationship with social media but I try to um, I try to make some cool content on there. Also have YouTube. I'm putting stuff on there. Uh, the last thing I want to plug is a harm harm reduction recovery punks meeting that some friends and I have every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if that's something that you're so it's a Zoom meeting um, for anyone. 
if you're sober, if you're just exploring your relationship with substances, if you're trying to get sober, whatever your substance is, it is a harm reduction model. So it's not abstinence based. Um, it's welcoming and it's mostly, you know, punks and travelers and freaks and weirdos and queers in there. And it's a really cool space that we've curated to um, be able to talk about what you're going through. And also we do some reading sometimes and reflect on readings. And uh, it's a really cool group for anyone who's um, interested in maybe getting sober, but also if you're just kind of like interested in exploring that relationship and, and trying to have a healthier relationship with substances or whatever, it's a cool group. So you can message me in, on any of those platforms and I can send you uh, the information for that. We meet every Wednesday. Um, and also any of my zines too, like I want people to be able to have them. So if there's zines that you can't like afford to buy physically, I'm happy to send you a PDF. Uh, that was a whole mouthful. So thanks no, for that's letting me great. plug all that. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joey. I'd definitely be interested in, the, in that meeting you mentioned. Uh, it sounds really cool. Um, it's great. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that sounds really rad. Um, so yeah, this has been so great. I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, I hope everybody checks out your stuff and I look forward to diving into to more of your material and I hope we can set up a show together sometime and hopefully you can come through New Haven when we're in New Haven and do a show there or intersect on when we're both on the road, perhaps I'll be touring a lot this summer. Yeah, I would love that. I hope that that happens. Um, thanks so much for having me. I, I really dig the show and lots of friends and, and, uh, and heroes and influences and mentors have been on. And so it's been really nice to, um, I'm glad that you guys are doing what you're doing. It's a, it seems, seems like a really cool project and y'all are doing a nice job with it. So thanks for, thanks for having me be involved. Well, thanks so much, Joey. I'll see you later. All right. So long. I hope you all enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. I'm definitely looking forward to checking out more of Joey's material. And I hope that everyone checks out his new album coming out February 2nd. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Music or give us five stars on Spotify. You can also sign up for our Patreon or become a subscriber to Bandit Coffee Roasters if you'd like to get some amazing coffee in the mail every month. Thank you so much for your support and for listening. We'll see you next time.
see the stars, but our resistance mimics the orthodox. The truth, the truth is, is we, we must, must give up, up on the truth. Embrace a beautiful, brutal paradox. So drink now of the blood from the sacramental wine. Dine now on the body, but what of the mind? We find fellowship in the fight Despite the inevitable ending Find redemption in connection Meet the reckoning with reverence and affection We don't want to be enlightened We want to be in love But everything's perpetually ending All the time Looking at the heavens and at the violet splendor that seeks to destroy us, we are filled with awe. 